Thanks, Chris, and good morning, everybody. Good to see you, uh, and looking forward to our time together. So, I don't know, yeah, we start our uh, Christmas study this morning, and for three Sundays we're going to be uh, talking about uh, some pictures of Christmas, and uh, it's kind of remarkable. I don't know, uh, for me, I feel like I'm about two weeks behind in the whole thing, and that that uh, we're in the middle of full-on Christmas time right now is a little bit surprising to me, but I know it's true, and I just can't quite get my head around it. So uh, we are going to have three special Sundays, and it'll be really great on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve Sunday is going to be a super time together, too. And what we're going to be talking about over these next three Sundays, we're going to be talking about, I mean, honestly, it's, it's not anything new, but uh, we're going to be talking about God, and that's a complicated Subject. So we're going to be approaching it in a little bit of a different way because uh, God is a complicated subject. You'd be be- we, we would be better off this morning if I said for the next three Sundays we're going to talk about the theory of relativity. Uh, you know, for the next three Sundays we're going to be talking about quantum physics because, uh, I mean, it's, that would be a simpler subject than the being who created quantum physics. God is, uh, who he is, is vast and complex and infinite and uh, so hard for us as finite beings with limited mental capacities to really understand this this eternal being who's created everything, who is behind everything and the cause of everything. That's so hard for us to, to uh, even begin to conceive. And here's the rub, is that even though God is so vast and complex and infinite, he wants to be known. He wants to be known. And not just known, but he wants to have relationship with the people that he's created. And because God uh, wants to be known and wants to be in relationship with us, this vast, eternal, infinite being has actually taken steps in space and time so that he could be known by us and, and so that we could be in relationship with him. This God has actually taken steps toward this end. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because Christmas really is the biggest step that God has taken towards making himself known to us and providing an opportunity for us to have relationship with him. And that step was basically sending his son, sending Jesus, uh, the third, uh, second person of this threefold eternal complex being that we can't understand, to become a human being. And in that way, communicate what this vast, complex, infinite being is like. So what this vast, complex, infinite being has done is he's sent his son. And he's done that so that we could know him and know what he is like. By knowing Jesus, we can know what God is like. The challenge there is, I mean, uh, how do we get our heads around who Jesus is? I mean, he, he may be history's most admired person, but he's also history's most complicated person. I mean, he had an origin, a birth that, that uh, no one has ever had before. He has an, a nature that no one fully understands. He uh, did things. He had abilities that no one can fully understand, how he had these abilities. And he had a mission that no one has ever that we, we still don't fully understand. So here, God in his infiniteness wants to, us to know what he's like, so he sends his son Jesus. But Jesus himself is hard for us to really comprehend who he is and what he's like. 
And, and uh, so Jesus, to help us understand what he is like, spoke to us in pictures. He communicated to us in pictures. Jesus, on several occasions, took certain things that we knew about and says, well, you know about this, I am like that. And by taking something that we already know and are familiar with and understand its qualities and saying, I am like that, Jesus opens a whole picture, a whole world into what he's really like. Because, because we, we understand pictures. Pictures communicate uh, big truths in just a simple moment. And when uh, a single picture can open up a whole realm of understanding just by saying, this is like this. One picture can unlock a whole sphere of meaning. So when we understand this picture, we understand a little bit of what Jesus is like. So we, we have this trail. It's like a trail of breadcrumbs, that, uh, the crumbs that lead up to this picture. And this picture that helps us understand Jesus. And by understanding Jesus, we better understand who God is. And this, this trail of breadcrumbs that God leaves us in order that we might know who he is and what he's like. And it's kind of ironic, because that's the first picture, or the first of these three pictures that we're going to look at on these three different Sundays. The picture we're going to look at this morning is bread. So it's like we follow breadcrumbs that take us to this big loaf of bread that tells us what Jesus is like. Because Jesus one day described himself and said, I am like this. And what he said he was like was bread. I am bread. I am the bread. I am the bread of life. And what's interesting about that statement, we've all heard that statement, or most of us probably have heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. We kind of, we maybe knew that. What's interesting about it is not just that he said it, but the day that he said it. Because the day that he said it, there's a whole series of events that lead up to this climactic statement where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. A whole series of of events in uh, the Gospel of John, in John chapter 6. And we're going to turn there in just a minute. John chapter 6 is like the bread chapter of the Bible. It's like carbo-loaded, John 6 is. Two days that you might think of as the bread weekend. One, two days in a row that are like the bread, the bread chapters of the Bible. So we're going to look at those this morning. And uh, we're going to look at these two days. And I want to tell you a little bit about what happened the first day. And then we're going to read together what happens on the second day. So go ahead and take your Bibles. You'll need them uh, open to John chapter 6. You can open uh, your own copy uh, there may be a, a Bible in, a, in one of the chairs around you, or uh, for sure, get your phone app and open it up, get your Trinity app and, and look at John chapter 6. Now, John, the Gospel of John, here's what's interesting about what we're going to read, is it's recorded for us by John, who was Jesus' closest friend, Jesus' most intimate acquaintance. The person who knew Jesus better than anybody else is the person who wrote these words and remembered and recorded what Jesus said. So we're getting a pretty up-close view of Jesus and this particular, these, these two days, these two, uh, this bread weekend in Jesus' life. So it all, we'll, we'll read here in just a minute, but it all starts on, uh, obviously it starts on day one, okay? And, and it starts with Jesus 
being uh, the celebrity of his day. Jesus was uh, the celebrity of his day. He was as captivating to people as the President of the United States or Taylor Swift or some celebrity that might, might be in the area. I mean, that's who Jesus was at this point in time. When we get to John chapter 6, Jesus was already super well-known. He was well-known and people came out of the woodwork to see him. And at this point in his ministry, uh, crowds are just following him around. When they find out that Jesus in the, is in the area, there they come out of the woodwork to find him. And that's what we see in uh, uh, verse 2. We see that a great crowd, this is chapter 6, verse 2, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he was performing. So here's a day. Jesus has been super busy. He and his disciples have been healing. He's been healing sick people, and his disciples have been running interference for him and all this intense ministry. And so what Jesus does is he wants to get away. They're they're near the Sea of Galilee, a big lake, uh, about 8 miles wide and 13 miles long, something like that. So a big, big body of water, and they're they're tired. And so Jesus wants to take his disciples to a quiet place, and he wants to get them away from the crowd. And so he takes them away from the, the sea and away from the shore, and they go up into these hills for some, something quiet and remote. But what happens, uh, what happens, happens to all celebrities. Somebody sees him. Somebody sees him, and the cat's out of the bag. And they tell their friends, hey, Jesus is over here, and they tell their friends. And pretty soon, hordes of people are descending on Jesus, like, like seagulls, at a, at a picnic, okay, like church people on Jello salad, people are coming to to find Jesus, and they're coming for different reasons. Uh, there, there's large crowds, but they, there's different motivations in the crowd. Some people are following Jesus around with their with their phones, and they're they're the gotcha people. They're trying to find Jesus. They're trying to capture him on tape doing something wrong, saying something controversial, or. Uh, 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 offending someone in some way, breaking some kind of Jewish rule. And so there are the gotcha people who are filming Jesus and trying to catch him doing something wrong. There are the people who've been healed by Jesus and appreciate him and want to show him loyalty. There are people who need to be healed by Jesus and they have some kind of ailment and they follow Jesus in hopes that they'll be able to be healed like their friends have been healed. And then there are people who follow Jesus just because they're his followers. They know, they know that he's unique and that, that there's something about him that is, is uh, taking them closer to their understanding of who God is. And they're following him. So all these people are following Jesus, some for different reasons. But uh, Jesus sees these people and he has compassion on them. And even though he had different plans for the day, He was going to spend some time, just quiet time, with his disciples. He scraps those plans and spends the day teaching and healing the sick and just loving on these people. But they run into a problem pretty soon. And so, you know, we're getting up at that time of year where we get, we're not quite there yet. But in a few weeks, we're going to be be ready to exercise. It's that time of year when we exercise. Not quite. It's not that time yet. So... You're not behind yet. But in about three weeks, it'll be time for you to pick up that exercise habit again. You know, it'll be January the 1st, and you'll be, you'll not, you know, I haven't exercised since what? January the 2nd. 
And so uh, January the 1st, you know, we've been in the house so long, we're ready to do something. And you just get this energy pent up, and you're like, today I feel like going for a run. And you haven't run for about 364 days, but, you know, all that energy, after a while, kind of builds up, and you got to run in you. And so you get up, and you put on your shoes, and you go for a run. You feel great. you got this, all this energy that's just taking you, uh, and you feel, you feel like you could go forever. And then finally you reach a point where you're like, okay, I think this has been good. I think this is good. And, and you stop, and you turn around to go the other direction, and you realize how far you have to go. You got to go all the way back home now, you know, because you were all fired up and you went in one direction and time, uh, you know, you just seem to have all this energy and then you realize, wow, I am, I'm a lot farther away from being done than I thought because I have to go all the way back. Well, that's kind of what happened to these people. They followed Jesus to this remote place and they just kept following him, following him. And all of a sudden they end up way farther away from anything they, that, that they thought they just, they just outran their supply line, and they're way out in this remote area, and they didn't bring any food with them. They weren't prepared. And so here they are, a giant crowd of people. In the excitement of hunting for Jesus, they ended up way farther away than they intended to, and now they have nothing to eat. There are 5,000 men and their wives and kids, and they're stranded in the middle of nowhere with nothing to eat. And Jesus sees that problem, and he comes up with the solution. He has compassion on them. He says, here's a need that I want to meet. And so you know what Jesus does. This is all in the very first part of John chapter 6. He uh, finds a, a, a kid who's brought his lunch, and his lunch is five loaves of bread and two fish, and Jesus takes these uh, loaves of bread and these fish, and he just starts handing it out to people, handing it out to people, and people are pressing Pressing forward to get there, make sure they get their loaves and their fish, and Jesus keeps handing it out. And they're, uh, by the time they're done, he's fed all 5,000 men and their wives and their kids, and everybody has had a free lunch. And if you thought that Jesus was popular at the beginning of the day, you should see him now, because he just gave everybody free lunch. And the, they, they think he's the best guy ever. I mean, this guy just gave us a free lunch. Let's make this guy king. Let's elect him because he gives us what we want. He's, he's, uh, and everybody wants a piece of him. And we read that in verse 14. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus uh, did, they began to say, wow, surely this, this, this is the prophet who's to come into the world. And the next verse says, they wanted to make him king. And he didn't want to be king. That's not why he came. That wasn't his mission. So while all this frenzy is going on, Jesus starts to step away. Verse 15 says, he withdrew again uh, to a mountain all by himself. So all this chaos is going on, and Jesus still hasn't had any time to himself. So he kind of steps away, backs away from the crowd who wants to make him a king, and he has a little huddle with his disciples, and he says, listen, you guys... Get out of here, and I'm, you guys go one way, and I'm going to go another way. The old celebrity decoy kind of plan. And he says, you guys get in the boat, and you guys go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Eight miles. Okay, row, row, eight miles. You guys go across the Sea of Galilee, and I'm going to go, you go that way, I'll go this way. And Jesus goes up into the hills by himself. And he goes, and maybe he gets a little, you know, maybe takes a nap. Or maybe he prays, or maybe he does both of those things. But then he gets up in the middle of the night, 
And he, in the middle of the night, sneaks across the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And I won't tell you how he did it, but he did not use a boat. And when the crowd wakes up in the morning, they spent the night there. I mean, they had free lunch. Maybe there's free breakfast. So they spend the night there. And when they wake up the next morning, so this is day two now, they're all camped out at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is gone. His disciples are gone. And they can't find him. They're like, you know, paparazzi. And they can't find their celebrity. So they panic. And they say, hey, where's the guy with the free bread? And the hunt for Jesus begins again. Day two. So now I'd like us to read what happens on day two. So the first day, bread day. Day two, we're going to start on verse 22. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they'd gone away alone. They're like, What's, where's Jesus? Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Where's that guy? And when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You're looking for me. But not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. And then they asked Him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What? What miraculous sign? This is the guy who just fed everybody with two uh, fish and five loaves of bread, and, they, and somehow ended up on another side of the lake and has healed people. Uh, what miraculous sign are you going to give us? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. That's what God did for them. That's how he took care of them and showed them he's, he gave them free bread every day. Every day they woke up. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. It's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. It's interesting when you read about this second day and how people are chasing Jesus down again on day number two. And Jesus kind of calls them on. He knows why these guys are here. He knows why they're so excited to try to find him. It's because he's free bread guy. That's why they're looking for Jesus, not because of the miracles that he has performed and how they point to his identity and, and, and show that he is the one who's sent from God. That's not what they're interested in. It's not that they did miracles and that Jesus did miracles and they understand that's who he is. He must be from God. No, that's not why they're looking for him. They're, they're looking for him because he had that free bread, remember? 
And Jesus begins to challenge them. And he says, listen, you guys will do anything for free bread, won't you? You're shameless. That's the only reason that you're interested in me. is because I gave you free bread. And that's why they're coming back to Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, and here's, here's where we're getting close to the part that we need to really understand. Jesus says, listen, that is really short-sighted of you. You are really short-sighted because you are, you are interested in me, but for all the wrong reasons. You're focused on your physical appetite, and you think that's what I'm all about. You think I'm just about bread for this world. He said, listen, I care for your needs. I care for your physical needs. That's why I fed you yesterday. Real bread. But I'm about meeting needs that are even more important than that. You're interested in bread that spoils. And you're interested in bread. The kind of bread you want, it gets moldy. But I'm about bread that never spoils. I'm about bread that never gets moldy. I am the bread that gives eternal life. I am the bread of that life. And that's the bread that you really should be interested in. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there is more important bread than the bread that we eat every day. There's more important life to sustain than the life that we sustain by the meals that we eat. There is a more important need in your life than the one that you feel when your stomach is grumbling. There's a need that you feel when your stomach is full. And that's the need that Jesus says he came to meet. The need that I came to meet, Jesus says, is the I, I came to fill the hunger that you feel when your stomach is full. As we uh, relive this story in our minds, there's a lot of pieces that we can connect to. We can connect to crowds. We know what that's like. We can connect. We get the paparazzi piece. You know, we get the celebrity factor. We even understand how pra- crazy people get when you start handing out free stuff. We 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 understand all that. But the thing that I really, I think we really, I think can relate to, is that hunger that we feel. When our stomachs are full. We live in America. We live in the most prosperous uh, country in the history of humankind. And you and I, we are among the wealthiest people who have ever lived. Ever. Our lives are among the smoothest that any people have ever had. Our meals are more predictable than than any other time in, in the history of mankind. We have all the bread we could possibly want. We are full, but we still act like hungry people. We chase after food, and we fill ourselves with bread, and we pursue pleasure and leisure and sex and possessions and status and careers like we're starving people. Even though we're full, we're still hungry. We're hungry for love. We're hungry for acceptance. We're hungry for meaning. We're hungry for significance. We're hungry for comfort. We're hungry for purpose. We're hungry for peace. We're hungry for connection with something eternal. And all that hunger, here's what we should learn from that. 
All of that hunger points to a reality. It, it points us to something beyond just our stomachs. And it says, you know what? There is something real beyond just this physical body. There is something real beyond space and time. And this hunger that we feel when our stomachs are full points us to the reality of certain things that aren't temporary and material, things that don't, there's something that doesn't get moldy. There is a reality in, in, in the world that lasts forever and is spiritual. And these things are just as real. And Jesus says, that's the bread you ought to be interested in. This hunger that we feel when our stomachs are full points to the reality of something eternal. And don't take my word for it. I wouldn't give my opinion about what happens after this life a nickel. But I didn't say this. I'm not the person who's saying this. This is Jesus who's saying this. History's most admired and complex person is the one who's saying, there is a kind of bread that never spoils. There is something that endures forever, and that's what you ought to be paying attention to, not just the grumbling that's going on in your stomach. And we try to fill this hunger with bread that spoils. And Jesus says, don't worry about that so much. Don't worry about that so much. Other places he taught, you know, hey, birds don't worry about that. Flowers don't worry about that. God takes care. Don't worry about that so much. I'll tell you what you ought to be thinking about. You ought to be thinking about the bread that endures to eternal life. That's the bread you really need. That's the hunger that you ought to feel. That's the bread that really matters. I am that bread. I am the bread that leads to eternal life. I am the bread that satisfies the hunger you feel when your stomach is full. I don't know if you can hear my stomach grumble because I guess just talking about this. Is made, you know, I could just, hopefully you can't hear that. Um, that's the hunger Jesus came to feel. Not this hunger, but this hunger, right? It, by providing a bridge back to God. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is God in a body. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, that God, the eternal, vast, complex, infinite being, took on human form as a baby and then grew up and, and did things like we read about in, in John chapter 6. Healed sick people, multiplied bread and fish to feed people and then said, listen, I'm doing some nice things for you but you really ought to be paying attention to this, eternal life. This, he grew up, this God in a body grew up to, to have days like this and teach things like this and ultimately, and then on this day, they wanted to make him king. But just a short time later, he wasn't king. He was crucified on a cross. And then, amazing, three days later, this person who taught these things and was crucified on a cross came back from the dead of his own power and proved that he is exactly who he says he is, the one God sent the bread of life, and that he actually can. And he did all this to provide this trail back to God so that, so that through looking to the one that God sent, we can know the God who sent him. And that's the gospel. 
That Jesus came to fill uh, the hunger that we feel when our stomachs are full. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we celebrate at Christmas. I bring you tidings of good news and great joy. What is it? God has provided a way back to himself through his son Jesus. That's the gospel. And if you want to live in this material world, you got to eat bread. If you want to live in the spiritual world, in eternity, with connection to God and forgiven sins and hope for the future, then you've got to have living bread, and that's Jesus. There are a couple ways to think about what this means for us. Uh, for those of us who are already Jesus followers, here's something for us to think about. Jesus reminds us, listen, there is such a thing as eternal life. That's the bread that you ought to concern yourself with. And so those of us who are Jesus followers, we need to remember that. And we need to remember that Jesus is more than just free bread guy to us. He is about more than just meeting your life's, meeting your life's physical challenges. Jesus is about more than that. Not, that is not his mission, just to address your physical challenges. That's not why he came. Jesus is about more than just... Uh, healing your physical ailments. That's not his mission. Jesus is about more than uh, just making your life as smooth as possible because he loves you. That's not his mission. Sure, there are times when he feeds us bread because that's what we need. But his mission, that's not his mission. His mission is to give us eternal life. That's why he came. And sometimes I think that we think that now that we're Jesus followers, we're entitled to the Jesus who is the free bread guy. That's the Jesus that we should be entitled to now. And we're entitled to his free bakery, the church, that caters to our needs and desires. And that's not Jesus' mission, and it's not the mission of the church. Jesus' mission is to show us the way back to God. And the mission of the church is to join him in that. And to join him in helping people connect with the bread that satisfies forever, not just the bread that gets moldy. It's not about, so as Jesus follows, it's not about following free bread guy. It's about following the bread of life and showing people how that bread satisfies our needs for eternity. If you want to live in this material world, then you have to have bread. If you want to live in the spiritual world, in connection with God, forgiven sins, hope for the future, you've got to have the bread of life. It's essential to living in that world. So how do you get that bread? Well, it's simple. Jesus says a couple times in this teaching, on this day, he tells people exactly where to get that bread. He says, all you've got to do is believe in me. That's how you get my bread. Verse uh, 29 says this, where Jesus makes that statement. He said, well, well they, they ask, in verse 28, they say, uh, what do we have to do to do the works that God requires? Surely there is something we need to do to get this bread. And Jesus says, hey, the work of God is this. Believe in the one he has sent. Well, that doesn't sound like work. That can't be right. Because there's got to be more to getting that bread. i got to work for the bread that I put on my family's table, so surely I have to work for this bread too, right? I should have to get baptized at least. At least, you know? And 
Actually, I should probably not just get baptized, but if you know anything about me, there are probably some things that I should stop doing and start doing. Jesus doesn't, I mean, you may give yourself a list, don't, but Jesus didn't give you a list. Jesus says, believe, believe in the, believe in the one God has sent. That's how you get that bread. So, in a sense, Jesus is free bread guy. Free eternal bread guy. Because you and I could never work a wage that would allow us to buy that kind of bread. So all we do is believe in the one that he has sent. Verse 35, same thing. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me, that's it, will never be thirsty. All you do is believe in Jesus, the one God sent. And then God provides for us. He satisfies the hunger we feel even when our stomachs are full. And that's really, as a church, the most important thing that we teach. That every person needs to come to a point in their life where they look to Jesus as the one God sent. It's not about uh, checking off a list of duties or moral behaviors or uh, you know, things that you ought to do or should stop doing. It's about looking to Jesus as the one that God has sent. And it's in that moment that we make that life decision that a spiritual transaction takes place that allows us to experience forgiven sins and adoption into God's family. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, some people are like, I just don't know if I can buy it. You know, that's hard for me to swallow. Just the whole idea. I mean, we live in a very material, temporal world, and if you can't, if you can't touch it, feel it, if your body doesn't grumble for it, you know, then it can't be real. Jesus said, no, there is something you, that is real that you can't see. And it's hard for people to, under, you know, some people are like, I just don't buy it. I want, well, I want proof. I want some evidence. Give me a sign. And here's how Jesus handled people who wanted signs. There are basically two people who want signs. Some people want signs because they want a reason not to believe. They want an excuse. They're not really looking for a sign. They're looking for an excuse. And Jesus called these people. Jesus recognized this. When they came to him and said, we want a sign, Jesus said, you don't want a sign. You've already seen signs. You've seen me heal. You've seen me multiply. You don't want a sign. You want an excuse. And Jesus said, I'm not going to miracle you into believing in me. And then, and you know, Jesus, some people, they, they, they don't want a sign. They want an excuse. They want to be miracled into believing. And Jesus doesn't miracle anybody into believing in him. The, the, the evidence is already here of who he is and what he's done. Here we have the, the writings of Jesus' closest friend telling us what Jesus was like and what, he's, what he taught. So if you're looking for a sign and you really know that you want an excuse and you hope you don't see a sign, then that's what you're going to get. But there are people who say, well, I just want to understand better. Before I commit my life to something, I want to understand that it's reasonable and it makes sense. And that, it, that it's, I don't have to leave my, my brain behind in order to to make this life decision. To that person, I mean, there's plenty of signs. And God honors that kind of genuine inquiry into who he is and what he's done. God honors that. And so if, if that's where you're at and you're like, I just, I'm willing to think about this really hard, but I'd like to know a little bit more before I can do that, then God will honor you in that quest. A great place to start is to pick up a Bible and just Read. Don't start at the beginning. That's not a good idea. Uh, start, in, start in where we're reading, Gospel of John. Start reading by reading the, the, the uh, account of Jesus written by his closest friend. Start there. 
and read. Pick up a book that can help you navigate some big questions. We have uh, just, it's little, but it's a big, got a lot of big ideas in it. It's called Why Christmas, and it's something that we have available. If you would like a copy, they're uh, for your taking and on the, uh, at the guest, counter, uh, guest services counter. And this just helps you if you're like, I just want to know. Is this a reasonable thing, or would it have to be crazy to believe it? Then take this and just read it through. Another thing you can do is, is talk to a person that you know here or someone you respect who's a Jesus follower. I'll bet that some of the people you respect the most believe what we're talking about this morning. And you can ask them what they think about that. Now, I know many of us have already made this life decision. And for us, it's a matter of remembering that uh, it's not about free bread guy. It's about helping people find free bread. Eternal bread. But for the person who's here this morning and maybe you've never made this life decision, then this is a great opportunity for you to really think about what your next step is going to be. Don't live in ambiguity. Don't live in just wondering. The responsible thing for you to do, if there is such a thing as eternal life, is at least take one step towards understanding that better. Any of those steps that we've mentioned this morning uh, would be helpful to you. And then as we back away from this idea of Jesus, the bread of life, we just remember that the reason Jesus came is to give us eternal life. Even if you have lived in that knowledge that you've received eternal life, and you've lived there for decades and decades, I hope that this morning you are renewed in your appreciation of what it means that God has sent bread that helps you and me live forever. Father, thank you for... uh, wanting to be known. Thank you, Father, for taking steps to be known by sending your Son. Thank you for taking steps to be known and not just known of, but also related to. We know that you don't want to just be known about, but you've uh, sent your Son so that we could also not just know what you're like, but we could be in your family. That's amazing. My prayer is that your spirit in each of us would uh, fill us with awe and thankfulness that you have taken this kind of initiative to help us. And whoever might might be here this morning who's never made this life decision, Father, that you would speak to them about eternal life, the reality of eternity, And that the bread that they're pursuing day to day is not going to cut it. But there's a bread that will help them live forever, and his name is Jesus. Help uh, that person this morning take one step closer to becoming a Jesus follower, to looking to Jesus as the one that you sent. And I pray for them. I pray for all of us that we will live knowing that we have access to the bread of life. And we pray it through his name. Amen.